Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Joe Scrabbles. To my left, Jesse Gomez. <laughs> that was really fast. What the fuck? To my right, Matt Perslow. Hi. Yeah, see, he gets it. I was scared and intimidated by it's you, Joe. Unbelievable, everyone is. It's because I wear this football shirt. All <laughs> oh, right. So you look like I look a like lad. a hooligan. Uh, don't know if you noticed, the apocalypse is here and it's all pink and that. Bloody hell. I know, right? And that's how they speak in it. Um, Rage 2 came out. Yeah, it's out this week. Yeah, I keep came forgetting out when it came out. We Tuesday, had this discussion the other day. Yeah, I don't know what days games come out on anymore. It felt like there used to be a schedule. It used to be Fridays every Friday, yeah. and then then we ruined it because we had to have it the same day as the Americans. Because we <laughs> we learned by the medium of the internet that they get them on Tuesdays. Well, they should Bastards. get rid of the internet. It's caused more problems than it's worth. We'll be out of a job. Um, I've played Rage 2. You've played lots of yeah. Rage 2. Have you played I've Rage 2 played yet? nothing of Rage or Rage 2. But you have got a wing stick on your desk. So you're basically <laughs> the main character. Exactly. You're Ranger Walker. In real life. <laughs> um, so far, I'm not that enthused about it, but I'm quite uh, unique in that opinion on the team. So I think it's like, I can't figure out how to describe it. Basically, I don't think I like it, but I keep playing it. <laughs> right. I'm like 12 hours in now and I think it, it's like a bad relationship yeah yeah basically exactly I'm making excuses for it um, I think it's combat loop is amazing mm-hmm. like because it's Doom's combat but with superpowers right yeah. everyone but, said the gunplay is fantastic yeah. but everything else there's is. so much else about it that I despise like I keep I keep texting friends and going like have you done this this is all I'm doing all I'm doing is finding pink boxes like it has now become part of my life that I'm hunting down pink boxes for no apparent reason yeah but that's what one of the main, literally one of the main activities of Rage is, just finding boxes. They're hidden in corners, yeah. sometimes upper vent, yes. like it's great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's odd to me that it's, particularly given that it's the people that made A, Just Cause, mm-hmm. which is a game that turns like just basic gunplay into its main activity all yeah. the time. And what, Mad Max as well? And for Mad Max. Driving, yeah. Well, and yeah, so... I mean, the driving is fucking appalling. <laughs> it's insane how bad it is. I saw um, you, like, riding around on a bike, and I felt ill. It looked disgusting. The bikes don't turn. Like, it's really <laughs> strange. Want, I've I've never ridden on a bike, so maybe <laughs> what's going on is very realistic. Exactly, but let me tell you, if that's what bikes are like, no wonder everyone's fucking dying all the time. It's insane. Oh, yeah, I think the only vehicle that so far that I've used that is any good is, the, is it the Phoenix, the main car that you oh, have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is effectively like the Batmobile mixed with Kit from Knight Rider. Yeah. Um, and, like, and it looks a bit like the Mako from Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's, what's the biggest issue surrounding Rage 2 right now? Because a lot of people say in the open world detracts just from oh, nearing off everything. But that's it, yeah. It needs to be You're a linear right. shooter, right? Like, it, it needs... I mean, not necessarily a linear shooter, but certainly something more in the mould of Halo, I think I'd like, where mm. wider yeah. open environments, but there's a, a passage for you to go. At the moment, I'm going around, and what I'm, I'm just leaping from combat encounter to combat encounter and anything in between it is just like the work I have to do. It's like, mm, it, yeah. it, it is like work. It, it's, it's almost, it's like you are this amazing mercenary that has all these cool powers, 
but you've kind of got the crap day job on the side that you're sort of like doing just to allow you to do the mercenary job. And that is finding boxes, Mm -hmm. um, finding meteorites and harvesting bits of glass out of them. Yeah. Like there's so much nonsense design that feels like the mistakes that Ubisoft were making 10 years ago Mm. in the way that that design is put together. I don't think Just Cause has that because so much of Just Cause is open world muckabout. Yeah. design is about blowing shit up and yeah. that's really cool and there is some blowing shit up in Rage but it doesn't come anywhere near as thick or fast enough no. in that open world as it should do it seems and like they sh- sorry it seems like yeah. they should have just made a linear Fallout experience if they want the kind of apocalyptic you know scenario just with good gunplay just mix Fallout and Doom and make just- fucking Doom yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly the thing is it's got Doom's gunplay but Doom has the balls to just be like <laughs> We're really good at this. Just do this the whole time in yeah. different shaped rooms. He literally throws the the Doom guy literally throws the story away like in the first minute when the screen pops up and he just trashes it to the exactly. floor and stuff. Like, and it's just gunplay immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other and the other point I have like I'm a massive fan of Mad Max and it's great that game, <laughs> that game made me fall asleep. But, uh, so <laughs> that's fine. I get I that. But what I get what I feel about Mad Max is that. That was a fundamentally quite empty open world, but what it did was created like a sense of traveling across it was a, a matter of interest because it marked very little on your map. Yeah. And so the idea is that you're constantly, when you do see a point of interest, it feels important, it feels relevant. It has yeah. the same thing Zelda has, where you see something, you're like, I don't know what the fuck that is, and the game's not telling me, I better go and see it. Mm-hmm. This game, like you say, is Ubisoft-esque or like U- yeah. mid-noughties Ubisoft-esque mm-hmm. where this feeling of not mid-noughties that's unfair anyway <laughs> it's got this feeling of well I know what everything is and it's marked for me and it's given to me and mm-hmm. like all I have to do is just get there it's yeah. just, there's no pleasure it, in the discovery and of it's it. also got it, it's got different biomes but mm. whereas in Mad Max I felt like there are areas and you go past like real outstanding points of like like apocalyptic beauty where mm. it's just like wow I could sort of frame that and have it as a piece of concept art I've not found anything like that in Rage it's all just kind of broken roads and sort of like you know when you've got like Mesa structures that have got like the archway that you <laughs> yeah. drive under there's a lot of that and it's graphically impressive but there's not anything that I can sort of say that's the concept art for this game made real. And there's stuff they talk about in it they're like, where it sounds like the same way Mad Max did things, mm-hmm. where it's like, I think there is an area that's like a sea, like yeah. the barren sea mm-hmm. or something like that, which is what Mad Max's map was. Yeah. But what Mad Max had was like broken fucking lighthouses <laughs> yeah. and yeah. tankers rusting awesome. and turned into yeah, sure. like towns and shit. Mm-hmm. This is just like, it's flat and there's dunes and maybe a building. Like, yeah. It's so, so, so weird. I, I have a copy just lying like next to my fucking bedroom mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I haven't actually played it, obviously. Um, <laughs> outside from just the gunplay, what is there to experience? Because apparently the story is complete naff. So I've no idea what's going on in yeah. the story, really. I've got to what I think is like the mid-game boss, so I'd right, say okay. I'm probably at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt like a notable story beat, but a lot of it is kind of like there are four kind of key characters in the world that are getting you to do things. Right. Uh, the main thing that I think you will be doing an awful lot of is upgrading stuff. This is okay. a game that is obsessed with upgrading across maybe four different currencies. So, for example, your guns are all upgraded with... What's the name of the Feltrite? That's the stuff. So you use that to upgrade your guns, but that only up- opens the slot to upgrade. You then need another currency, which is like the upgrade core, I think. Yeah. Well, there's like upgrade cores, weapon mod somethings, yeah. uh, and project points. Yes, yeah. So you've got all of these things. And it's a bit like... like 
I found a menu last night that I'd not seen before. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, there's just a bunch of like... I think they were combat upgrades, but they're not combat upgrades out of the projects. They're combat upgrades out of your nanites, I think. That sounds... Right. So, like, there must be five different menus which then break down into menus themselves. And for a game that is so good at gunplay, mm. just let me use the guns. Don't keep doing... I hate games that have that, like, there's a 5% increase in the amount of oh, bullet damage yeah. you do. Like, none of it means anything. Just give me the cool guns. That yeah. sounds incredibly annoying for a game that was marketed to be, you know, absolutely wacky and crazy first-person shooting. Good fun times. Yeah, it like, I don't and when it does that, it's so that's why I'm still playing it, because when yeah. it does that, I feel amazing. Yeah. It is Doom, but whereas Doom is a metal album, this is a punk album. Mm. Right. Like that's and when it does that, it's so good. I what's, don't. What's interesting as well is like you compare this with say Wolfenstein. The way mm, Wolfenstein yeah. deals with giving you guns and giving you ab- abilities, like a it gives you loads yeah. just out of the gate, and b it has that really nice thing which is you earn more for doing more. Yeah, like getting upgrades for doing enough headshots. Like mm-hmm. that's directly tied to what they want you to do. Whereas this is going, if you want to play more with the guns that we've made, you have to go and do non-gun play things yeah. for a long time. It just doesn't like it doesn't sit right as design for me. It's very strange. It just seems like a lot of busy work for something that should just be exactly. pure fun. Yeah. Mm. It's very strange. Um but like you say, feels really good to shoot stuff. Well, like, I mean it's why I'm twelve hours in. It's it, that's <laughs> it. It's not doing enough for me to take away from that stuff. It is mm-hmm. doing enough for you, but like we shouldn't have that discussion no. in the first place. It's so strange. Um, a game that I think you've been more positive about in general, uh, you also finished Plague Tale. I did, yeah. So a Plague Tale, I think, came out on the same day as Rage. Yeah. Um, obviously, kind of in a completely different marketing budget, so you might not necessarily know about it. Well, it's like counter-programming, isn't it? Yeah. Whenever Avengers comes out, you get like a black and white love story well, at the same time. We've got 8th Grade, which is oh, amazing. Course, yeah. If you haven't watched 8th Grade, go and watch it because <laughs> it's brilliant and it will make you cry. In a good way. Um, I guess a Plague Tale might make you cry as well, mm, in a good way. Sean being reading poetry made me cry in their he's, latest advert. He's a wonderful man. Yeah. So a Plague Tale, for anybody that doesn't know, is it's made by a studio called Asobo. They are a French studio, and this is set in, I think it's 14th century France as well. Um, so it's a kind of a medieval vibe. Um, but in terms of gameplay, think about maybe sort of like Naughty Dog around their first two Uncharted games. Okay. It's that kind of style that they've gone for. Very, very heavy on story. And there is a very distinct linear path through the game. Um, but as you're doing stuff, the camera is designed to make you feel like you're in a movie more right. so than you are a video game. Lots of minimalist herds and stuff like that. And basically, you play a girl called Amicia and it's set during the outbreak of like the bubonic plague <laughs> in, uh, in France. But it's sort of a supernatural retelling of it yeah. because the plague is not just something that gets spread by a couple of rat bites and it's mostly an infection. It is literally a tidal wave of rats. That sounds great. And sort of like at the start when you are running away from the town that you're in, you've literally got... It reminds me a lot of the Warhammer Skaven in terms of yeah. like these big kind of eruptions from underground and rats coming out in like geysers, basically. So and later on, there's definitely... I'm fairly sure the p- people at Sobo are fans of Warhammer because... <laughs> the green sparks that come later on when you've got um, the rats around is just it's clan skier I think are the people that use the mad warp stones in Warhammer but there's a bit of that but yeah so you've got this so that's kind of like what you would consider your main antagonist in it is these 
plagues of rats. And basically, you can't fight as Amicia. You um, you have a torch, and so a lot of it is reminds me a bit of Alan Wake mm-hmm. in the light and the darkness. So whenever there's dark, the rats can be there. So you have to light torches and do puzzles to kind of create pathways for you. And basically, the entire game is sort of a game-long escort mission for taking your brother. There is something about your brother, Hugo, that the Inquisition want. Mm. And it's kind of not very clear, but from the start, it's like, oh, is he perhaps the cure to this? Is he, you know, does he have some sort of special ability? Who knows? Because it runs that line between historical drama and supernatural very, very fine. So you're not quite sure what he is. I think they ruin the twist a bit because he's just a big syringe with legs. (laughs) (laughs) It's mad. What a strange decision. How does that relationship actually play out throughout the game? It's it's very sweet. Uh, The one thing I would recommend anybody that's thinking of picking it up, please play it in French. (laughs) <laughs> the English voiceover is not great. Right. But because it was written in French, there are kind of jokes and sort of it's got a weird sensibility to it that only comes across apparently in the French dialogue and it isn't in the English translation. So play it in French and put English subtitles on. It makes the atmosphere so much better. You'll get a slightly better writing quality out of it. Okay. Nice. Um, and yeah, they're, they've got a nice tender sort of relationship, but obviously he is effectively a small little shit that doesn't quite <laughs> understand why he's important right yeah. so he's it's not that he's constantly getting in trouble but there is that kind of gratingness between them mm-hmm. that she adores him and that she needs him to get through this world and she understands the dangers whereas he is a little bit less understanding of what's going on in this world how does the the gameplay treat the brother then like when he's so, seen like what actually happens yeah so you are effectively the main kind of point of attack for like if people see you they will attack you right because you are expendable the inquisition need him okay um and he so he's can, never in trouble he can run around and sort of go yeah effectively and they will just grab him effectively <laughs> and he can be using that sort of stealth because it's a stealth action game it's got one of those where you can tell him oh there's a little hole under there i can't fit through it can you go under oh, right, it? can yeah, you yeah, open yeah. the door so it's got a lot of that is it kind of similar to resident evil 4 like with ash can she like can no, he get captured I, and you I, have to save him or no, I think Ashley like that? is significantly more irritating Annoying. in terms of gameplay design yeah um, whereas there are times where he can get like uh, he'll he'll be caught by an Inquisition member and you can go you've got a slingshot which you can use so that's to kind of like him. one of those scripted moments yeah though. but right. they're not it's not a very common I think like he's quite frequently kept out the way to allow you to do puzzles okay. um, but it's a stealth puzzle game effectively so there are always I mean the thing that annoys me about it is that um, there is always one set that you'll go into an area and there's three guards and there's a load of rats that are being kept at bay because these guards have got um sort of like torches right there will very distinctly be there is the one option to do which is like so this guy you take out you use a, a water kind of balloon for lack of a better word in your yeah. slingshot <laughs> mm-hmm. to extinguish his uh flames in his torch the rats will go and attack him and then you can use that as the opportunity to get by that's the one uh like i saw a preview clip of this also it looks fucking amazing oh, yeah, for like, like a for a what, small a game yeah yeah for a small it's, studio it's yeah. it reminded me a lot of the witcher 2's kind of visual design yeah, yeah, yeah. um but the, the clip I saw was heavily invested in showing me how fucking gross it is when oh, people yeah. get eaten by rats. Yeah, it's like it's like it's almost like they're they're eaten inch by inch from the leg down and they yeah. just sort Ugh. of collapse. That's it's like um 
There's one scene that always haunted me, I think, from that film Volcano. <laughs> and it's a fireman, like, with, like, lava up to mm-hmm. his legs. And he's, like, bravely falling into the lava. <laughs> and, yeah, that's what that's it reminds it, yeah. me of. It's mm-hmm. mad. Um, yeah, so, they're yeah, kind of like scarabs in the mummy as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, entirely so. So, yeah, it's super grim. And it's, like, I wish... Because it does give you a tool set. You've got all of these different ammunitions for your slingshot. Yeah. But it is every time you go into an area, I think there's very clearly a planned out way that you get through it. Right. And I wish that it had given you a little bit more of a, you've got a tool set, there are these things, please figure it out for yourself. So it's more puzzle box than escape the room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you wiping out like groups of enemies through the means of the rats? Because I've seen that people say that this game treats death differently compared to like other games. It's got, I think because death is far less frequent in this game than it is in others. I wouldn't say, Amicia certainly has a, when she has to kill someone with rats for the first time, that's really horrific Mm. because you don't mean to do it. It's just that where you're walking and you've got a torch, it's forcing rats away from you. And just if people are in the way, there's not really, unless you're going to extinguish the torch and allow yourself to be eaten, there's nothing that you can do. Right. So there is that level of grimness to it. And there's a section that I think has been shown in previews where it's like walking through a battlefield and it is, Okay. you know a medieval battlefield with hundreds of people just yeah. piled up and you're wading through it like it's mud so it's grim because um, they do the same thing in what Tomb Raider and Far Cry 3 with how the main character yeah, reacts yeah. to mm. either killing someone or death but that I just mean, gets Far Cry 3 oh yeah no, those are, yes. I feel like those are bad <laughs> examples because they kill one person afterwards they're like Such dangerous bad. killing yeah. machines yeah. yeah I mean Plague Tale is a 10, 11 hour experience and there are going to be a lot of people that die over that. It's significantly (laughs) less than it is in Rage, for example. Mm. Um, So there is, and because it's so narrative heavy, those deaths do play more of a narrative part to it. But yeah, there is certainly like, guards are going to die because you fed them to rats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she'll never feel bad about it. (laughs) I mean, I think we gave it a seven. Yeah. I would give it a seven. You'd give it a seven as well. Yeah. We haven't really talked about what you don't think is good about it so apart from the puzzle yeah, box yeah i think it needs more of more freedom in the way that to i think it needs to become more of a stealth game than it is a kind of puzzle narrative um you just want dishonored again i do want dishonored again yeah massive oh god i love dishonored so oh, come on arcane um it's i don't want to talk so much about it because it's its latter third oh, right. yep. that i think right, okay. suffers I've said several times that it effectively jumps the rat. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. um, it's it goes in a direction where because it is so it plays the world so straight, and I really like about how straight it plays it. Mm. And then it plays less straight goes towards the end. Yeah, no one ever right. questions why rats are turned into like tsunamis. <laughs> I would like that though. <laughs> I'm mean, fine with just believing that rats yeah, are tsunamis now. <laughs> yeah. That's how we roll. See, that is that is really cool. When they start doing other things with them towards the end and it you know it starts it's like, oh, this is a video game now rather than being an interactive piece of kind of like pseudo history. Have you seen the really bad film Batman Ninja? <laughs> yes, I is have it, seen. Is it basically that bit where all the monkeys turn into a mech? <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds terrible. It's fucking you're, rubbish. You're closer than you think. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Great. Uh, right you know Cardi's really good at segues I've just said the word rat mechs and now I have to go to you played blood and truth yes a game about geezers and showers yeah unfortunately the 15 or 12 minutes I experienced had no geezer or lad centric gameplay unfortunately nothing nothing I played took place in London it was all set sorry what it all all took place like in the Middle East it was a tutorial mission and he plays a, a SAS Special Forces guy called Ryan Marks and you're going there to save your mate from a war and then you're getting pulled out and stuff like that. Um, 
it made me feel very sick when I was playing <laughs> right. it, which um, sounds pretty sad to say, to be fair. It's a first-person shooter in VR, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, except the weird thing is, is that the movement system they use is like a node-based movement system. So, you know, it's kind of like a shooting gallery, but you have the option to then move when you kind of want to. Is it kind to. of like a grid then on the floor? And it's yeah, kind of so, like so you'll look to the right and then you'll see like a little white pinpoint and then you mm. can press the move button and then he kind of just glides towards that. But that glide in motion made me feel That's incredibly so sick when I was playing Every other game it. does that by teleporting. Yeah, yeah it's either teleporting so it snaps you right there or you have like direct control so you can, mm. you know, tell how fast you're going and you get to decide that. But in this game, he just like slowly glides. It's both creepy and it made me feel incredibly ill when I was playing it just because I wasn't used to that. So everyone like, Ryan, mate, why are you fucking floating again? <laughs> it, was just, it was really What's awkward. happened in Iraq? Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's messed up. But aside from just making me feel like I want to vomit when I'm playing it. It it was all right. It was just, you know, your standard VR first-person shooter, the way you can mess around with the guns. You can toy your guns around when you're shooting and do trick shots and, you know, throw a mag in the air and then catch it and put it in your gun and oh, all that kind of nonsense. Good. I'm into it. Um, you got your that's slow motion. Solid stuff, yeah, it's, it? it's a bit like Gung Fu, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. crazy martial nice. arts gun shite. I'm into that. Um, <laughs> it... It was fine. It was okay. They're, they're advertising it kind of like PSVR's premier first-person shooter experience. Mm -hmm. But from when I was talking to developer, it's only five to six hours long, and I can't quite imagine. It's just it's set piece to set piece yeah. essentially with just those. I guess that's how you work it out in VR, though, yeah, right? Because for sure. it, it would be a real struggle to make it. Like I've played the Doom VR game, which mm. is oh god, that's <laughs> that's not easy on the stomach. <laughs> right. And I think I'd rather have kind of like a set piece to set piece system, yeah, yeah. as opposed well, to actually trying to replicate that corridor battle. It's a mm. spiritual successor to the London Heist, the right? London the the yes. Yeah. World's sure. thing. But um, they've, they've split apart the gameplay in, so you have your action bits, but then you have the kind of downtime when you're talking to the characters, because your character actually has um, a voice yeah. in this game. And when I was at the studio yesterday, they were talking about how they try to experiment with um, the voice of, like, getting across your character's voice when it's in first person and in VR. They told mm -hmm. us that they, um, they rented a human skull and they put a microphone inside it and then tried to figure out how the vibrations work in the human skull and how that will portray in VR. I was like, that's just Their fucking weird. Their sound designer just a massive guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> Do you remember uh, Inside? They, they made yeah. music using a skull. Oh, really? wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. Part that's of the banging. soundtrack for Inside is made with a human skull. It's really I quite strange. like that. But, uh, um, I, I kind of, I always think about it as like someone, like, oh, what's that in? There's something where someone plays a load of skulls with bones. Like, I'm just imagining a guy just being like, doo -doo 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 -doo. but I think it was a bit more acoustically yeah. interesting than that. But aside from the gameplay, the actual um, visuals of the game, the performances as well, the voice acting is really good and the music especially is oh, yeah. really, really stand out for me, especially the main the main menu but unfortunately I didn't get to see any of London and that's why I wanted to see I wanted I wanted to be first person Danny Dyer in EastEnders yeah. killing people mm. and I didn't get to experience that who's that's the annoying. studio behind is this the studio that goes back to like the getaway and yeah stuff like and that? it's only London right? it's weird yeah. you mentioned the getaway so there was a particular moment when we were having like a tour of the studio and they showed us the set piece for London it was on top of a crane and stuff like that we didn't get to play it but they'll tell us how they were building London and the textures they use in that scene are from the getaway because they're such high resolution high resolution pictures when they took them they could reuse them right. so it's That's like amazing. The, it's like the getaway 3 but in VR and not really so it's still got argos in it yes <laughs> <laughs> we've talked a lot about the getaway exactly. recently um, i really, really like the getaway dale I, wants I, to play it again for some reason i think it's a shit game i would love to watch dale play the getaway <laughs> in 2019 yeah, exactly <laughs> having to lean against a wall to regain your health is a terrible idea i remember defending that as a 12, 12, 
17 year old boy oh, and God. bouncing health co- health bars came in right it yeah is, that's true it was precedent that's fair uh well that's blood and truth yeah. from london to berlin oh <laughs> i did a segue i've done it congratulations Mom. um was that I, a song huh? was that was that from a, london a, to berlin yeah. actually sounds like a james bond uh, film me, <laughs> me and cardi once like slightly sleep deprived on a flight <laughs> from or to japan i can't remember um for some reason, the two cities that kept popping up on the air, the flight <laughs> map were Helsinki, Helsinki and Peking. And in our heads, like we composed like a sort of um, like a sort of get your hands up for Detroit style nice. EDM number because that was, was just Helsinki to Peking <laughs> and just shouted at each other for about a week. Um, but no, I went to Berlin. It was nice. It was my birthday. I had a lovely oh, time. Lovely. I looked at stuff. But as part of that, because I'm a colossal <laughs> nerd, my girlfriend uh, took me to two different computer game museums. Two? And this is a short tourist's guide <laughs> for like a freakish idiot who won't grow up in Berlin. Do we um, even have one video games museum in London? We've got exhibitions. That's there's not a video, what There's I the want. National Video Games Museum in Nottingham. But oh, I've not like been since it got a new six home. Six million years away. I know. Um, Berlin's got two museums. The main one that everyone talks about is the Computerspiele Museum, Ooh, which is that's a good would, there. That's a chunky you. name. I would say for people listening to this podcast, maybe not that useful. It's a lot more built around the idea of telling you the story of games right. from the start. So if you're like a prick like me, you walk <laughs> around and just go know it know it know it oh great Pong is it well done so not Um, really many surprises then in this museum no and it's like there's a few nice bits of like the way it's designed my favourite exhibit in there is they've got a wall of um, they're kind of like cubes and some of them are uh, literal items so like games or bits of hardware and some of them are just names and dates and there's a little joystick in front of it and you point a crosshair at these things and everything you point at a screen pops up showing cool. you like the history of that game and why it changed gaming like so like interactive exhibition that yeah kind so of... it's like obvious ones like mario and then like yeah. weird ones like worms i think worms had one of the first cg cutscenes or something oh. like little like congratulations to worms <laughs> but like just a nice exhibit of like yeah like pick and choose um the best part of the computer spieler museum by a country mile <laughs> love is name. the pain station what have either of you, you heard of the pain you station? mentioned this very briefly when you have to like sign a waiver yeah to you get have to sign up. a waiver to play it so it's a torture box so it is a game of pong but the game of pong uh is has added what's the opposite of power-ups <laughs> Bad buffs, buffs, and they're behind the goal. Also, they, they're kind of on the goal line of right. Pong. If one of them gets hit, you are punished according to that debuff. So, what you do, you play with two hands. One hand's using the kind of traditional Pong-like mm-hmm. spinner to make it move <laughs> up and down, and the other hand has to be pushing down two buttons on the left. And if you let go of either of those buttons, so one's under your fingers and one's under the palm of your hand, if you let go of either of those, you lose. But when one of those debuffs is hit, you are either, uh, that hand is either electric shocked or heated up or hit with a little plastic whip. (laughs) (laughs) So me and my girlfriend played. She is not good at pain station. Um, It's properly funny. Like, I pissed myself playing that game. Because after a point, she just kept losing. I was like, right. Just hit me with whatever. I'll, I won't. I won't take any of these. Um, 
And so she just kept hitting. And the longer you play, the worse the punishment gets. Really? It's hotter or shocks you more or hits you more. Crap. It's fucking funny. Um, later on, like, you get power-ups. So, like, multi-ball happens so you can get hit by multiple <laughs> of the debuffs at the same time. There was two guys who were really good at it, these two Italian just guys. really good at hurting each other. They just stood on it for about 15 minutes taking... Like, their hands were just <laughs> red at the end of it. It was amazing. What did it actually feel like? Did it, I mean, was it just like a bit of a... It's really quite unpleasant. Oh, like, okay, right. It's, once it gets to the proper shocks, yeah, like, then that's the worst of bad. them. Right, like, okay. you can, it does that thing where you feel it travel <laughs> up your body. That's awesome. Um, there's a reason they make you sign away waiver <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah. The, the whip is so funny as well, because it's this tiny little green <laughs> bit of plastic that just sticks out the side, and you're like, that's not going to hurt. Aww. But what it does is it just goes, da, 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 like just smacks your hands loads of times. It's really funny. That's awesome. Um, I need to see some clips of that. That's worth worth it basically um the only problem i have with it is because there's such high footfall like half the games don't fucking work like the controllers right. are broken like yeah. me and uh, my girlfriend they did had like um an exhibition on japanese gaming so mm. they were like here's the a short history of japan in games yeah. and one of them was just a playstation one with virtua fire on it and we were like right let's play that a bit i picked up the controller the r2 button had somehow been pushed into the <laughs> controller and under the front of it so you could and like every time i press square to throw a punch it just stuck down so my guy just threw one punch and stood still it's fucking well annoying Better, I thought, was a place called the Game Science Centre, which Ooh, is that does kind have of a fancy name. A single room in a nondescript part of Berlin that was set up by I think four indie developers, and all it is really there for is to show you how games can be controlled differently. I don't know if this is an exhibition or the permanent mm -hmm. exhibit, but you just walk around and it's about thirty games probably on different stands, and all of them. All of them are controlled in interesting ways, and that's the whole thing. Is and it it's showcasing, just really nice. Is it showcasing like accessibility across games with different kind controls? Kind of. It's more just about like here's how we interact with stuff. So like, right, okay. It runs from uh, Cannabolt, which is the original Endless Runner, essentially, but uh, you just play with like a touchpad that you just jump by doing that, and right. you just press the button, cool. uh, which is nice, but it runs all the way up to, like they're using modern stuff like Magic Leap, where it can track your fingers, so you're controlling like a school of fish by moving your hands That's around cool. and stuff, to, uh, there was a game of ping pong, where, but it was Space <laughs> Invaders, so you're having to hit against, it's like, um, you know in The Great Escape where he's hitting yeah. them, throwing yeah. the ball, mm -hmm. it's like playing ping pong of that, <laughs> except the wall's also Space Invaders, uh, which was really fun. So it's a little bit like, you know, when you go to like the left field collection at Resd and you've got yeah. all of these crazy, I mean, we went um, a few weeks ago, yeah. right, and played, um, we were playing, what, Zelda with eight controllers plugged into it and yeah. we all had a button each. So it's kind of, I suppose, that but in museum form. Very similar to that, um, but just like really nice like it's just laid out completely simply there's like connects on one wall there's another there's a game about controlling a hot air balloon but it's um you have to play with two people and one person's got two like cranks to turn it left and right oh, and the other cool. one's literally got like a pump <laughs> to make it go up and down which is nice. great um and my absolute favorite thing in there was a thing called the choosertron <laughs> which was 
Imagine like a till receipt printer, except you're playing a choose your own adventure on it. Ah. So it prints out and goes, here's your, the first part of your adventure. Choose one, two, three, or four. You press the buttons to make your decisions. Then it just prints out the next part of the story. And then you just rip off your story at the end and you've got like this long receipt with I'm a choose your own that. adventure. Cool. It's fucking great. Um, I just really enjoyed it. The and best it's, use of a till ever. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's it's much more hidden than Computer Spieler Museum and I would highly <laughs> recommend name. it if you're going to do one of the two while you're in Berlin. Sick. Like, take a break from getting pissed and going to museums it's great <laughs> i want to experience the pain though oh the pain station that's the problem is if the pain station was in the game science center it would be yeah. unequivocally that but i always miss so right fun. like there's a weird exactly kind of, yeah um yeah i was very good cool. i enjoyed it a lot um before we get to the end of search have we got time we got time uh brief chat because apparently Robert Pattinson is going to be Batman now. Batman, Batman, um, Batman, Pac-Man, yes. I don't know. I mean, you you do news. What's this yeah. all about? Where's this come from? So uh, I think it's the Hollywood Reporter have found this out. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's, I, it's been a while since I've read it. It's fine. Um, but um, yeah, so basically, um, obviously Warner Brothers have got their front runners now because they need a Batman because Matt Reeves' Batman film I don't think we've actually got a date for it yet but it needs to happen at some point obviously Affleck has walked away from you know the DC project in total. Surprising. Yeah, <laughs> goodbye. Um, so, yeah, so they've got two major frontrunners. Now, Robert Patterson has been the one that everyone's talking about, but also Nicholas Holt, apparently, is up for it as well. Beast. <laughs> yes, yeah. Two unusual casting choices, uh, one of which I think is distinctly the right choice, <laughs> yeah. and one which I think is not. So, uh, I quite like Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I know that the... I think the internet at wide take one look at Adventure Review look at the Hollywood Reporter's initial tweet for it mm. the thread underneath it is just a bunch of <laughs> you know no no vomit gifts yeah, yeah. Um, I think all these people are wrong yeah. because yes he has a bad rap rep from Twilight a film that is not as bad as you all think mm-hmm. it is um, but since then he has gone on to play some fairly ambitious diverse roles and the same with Kristen Stewart is now this incredibly well well regarded actor mm. who has lots of awards now and is very well recognized. Patterson has done some. The thing I want to point out is Cosmopolis, which is a David Cronenberg film in which basically he plays an incredibly rich person who spends the entire film in the back of a limo. Just he's that rich that people just get in his limo. Mm. Like he says, I will be on this street at this time. They just get in. He literally has his doctor turn up and I'm fairly sure gives him a rectal examination in that <laughs> film. So that's the closest we've seen him to Batman getting so a that, rectal well, that's examination. The closest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the closest to the Bruce Wayne sort of yeah. element to it. And he's got the jawline mm-hmm. and all of that. I would genuinely be excited to see that I'd be side. really interested to see. He'd, he'd have to beef up. Oh, he's yeah, a bit I of a rake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want like really skinny Batman. <laughs> he really yeah, otherwise you end up getting like, you know what uh, Grant Gustin looks like in The Flash? Like, oh, yeah. He, yeah. He's just little boy Flash. It's, he's like, I, I'm not really taking you that seriously. It's kind of odd that. Yeah. Uh, whereas Nicholas Holt is so obviously not the right person no. to stick his chin out of that cow. <laughs> like, he's so nice and moon faced. Yeah. And like, I'm sure there's something in the DC universe for him, but he's not Robin. Batman. Yeah. You know, why not? He could wear a little eye mask. I can see it. it would work and he's got the kind of the charm yeah i just yeah i don't put him in the little yellow booties batman seems mad (laughs) is there anyone else who you would want to play batman who i'd want so like i've always wanted to see mcconaughey be so not maybe i hadn't always thought 
Bruce Wayne, but I think he is that chiseled superhero. Mm. And he's also got... The thing I love about the ever-going-on debate about Batman is who actually is Batman? Is it Bruce Wayne, this billionaire playboy, but recognises that there's a city he's got to save, so he puts on a cowl? Mm -hmm. Or is he actually Batman and that he recognises that he can't always be Batman, so has to take the cowl off and pretend to be this ridiculous idiot? I could see McConaughey as being the Batman who has to pretend to be this billionaire playboy to keep that side of his life considered a how could he possibly be this Cape mm. Crusader and I'd like to see him play that yeah I've always wanted Jillers Jake Gyllenhaal Ooh, yeah. um, just because he'd do it really haunted and sad yeah. <laughs> that's what I like from Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal but he's Mysterio now so it's all fine Jesse any any shouts for Batman who do you like Dave Batista. Dave Batista. <laughs> absolutely ripped Batman who smashes everyone. Bane sees him, he's like, fuck that, can't be asked. Actually, I'd love if they did like a redo of like the 66 Batman mm. and they sort of needed an Adam Westy sort of character. I think Batista <laughs> would actually be pretty good at that. He would be a very funny <laughs> 60 would be jokes. Uh, right, that's enough Batman chat. Let's do something else, which is the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Uh, I've had enough of the endless starch, so we're gonna do something very similar. <laughs> I would have been shit at that. Um, this actually came in in January. Ooh. I don't know if we've done this already and I've just forgotten. If we have, well done, Jamie Martin. You've done me up like a kipper. Uh, he <laughs> says, or said ages ago, Hey gang, this quiz is kind of stolen from an idea on both Doug Love's movies and Pop Quiz Hotshot, but I'm tweaking it slightly to use video games. He calls it Portmanteau Overwatch, which is a very good name. It's fairly simple. The Quizmaster takes two video game titles, mashes them together, and then describes the new game for the contestants to guess. For example, uh, I'm gonna share this. as Carrington Institute's most promising new undead agent, our hero must uncover the truth behind the first flame in this brutally hard first-person shooter. Can you guess what that is? The first flame is a... Uh... Well, I know not what that references. Yeah. I can't think of anything else, though. The Institute one. The Carrington Institute's most promising new undead agent. Where's that from? Oh, that gives it away, isn't it? So it's something Dark Souls. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. We're going to be naff at this. Perfect Dark Souls. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got seven of these. Great. Some of them are Jamie's. Some of them are mine. Some are easier than others. Awesome. Uh, let's go. It'll just be first to guess. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I nearly just read out the answer. The super speedy spiny mammal and his pals take on Robotnik in this turn-based strategy game featuring the voice talent of Rick Mail. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming the Rick it's not there's not any bottom no there's not a bottom game (laughs) more's the pithy the Uh. super speedy spiny mammal and his pals take on Robotnik Mm-hmm. In this turn-based strategy game featuring the voice talent of Rick Mail. Did he do a civilization game? He didn't do civilization. Shit. I can say that it is a 3D game and that it was on, I believe, PS1. Huh. It's an absolute banger. Alright, I'm not getting this. 
No. Not a clue. Sonic the Hedgehogs of War. Oh, <laughs> Hogs of War is a good old game. It was a proper rip-off of Worms, but a wicked one. And Rick Mail was in it, as all the voices. It was brilliant. <laughs> uh, this is a really long one. Uh, I meant to cut it down, but then I realised Jamie had put quite a lot of work into it, so we'll just go with it. I think this is easier, personally. Right. Hopefully. The story opens with a news report on the execution of a death row inmate. In reality, however, she awakens to hear a voice coming from an earpiece, revealing her lethal injection was only a sedative. The voice promises her freedom, but only if she follows his instructions. She must move through a maze being patrolled by a gang called the Ghosts, eating pills as she goes, cleaning the streets. Out here it's kill or be killed, but without a second thought she dons her blood-drenched bow and gets to work. I feel like this is a weird mix of Paul, Horizon Zero Dawn and Pac-Man. And I'm, and I'm not getting it. You've got one. Oh. Which is Pac-Man. Yep. It's not that. Good God, get, give me, give, give the testimonial again. Get, I'm doing the Phoenix right bit now. I'm just going to go <laughs> one by one. I'll, I'll go slower. The story opens with a news report on the execution of a death row inmate. What do you mean by an execution by a death row inmate? <laughs> In reality, however, she awakens to hear a voice coming from an earpiece, revealing her lethal injection was only a sedative. The voice promises her freedom, but only if she follows his instructions. She must move through a maze being patrolled by a gang called the Ghosts, eating pills as she goes <laughs> cleaning the streets. Out here it's kill or be killed. Without a second thought, she dons her blood-drenched bow and gets to work. It's not bow as in Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, balls. No? No? no Negative. Ms. Pac-Man Hunt. <laughs> That's the story of Manhunt, guys. Come right. on. I never played Manhunt. All right. I was a little boy. The rest of these are mine, and there's a lot less thought put into the, uh, <laughs> the description. I have a hope Jamie of getting at least one score. This moody platformer promises a bazillion guns to try out. It's like what, Limbo and Borderlands? I'm trying to... I mean, <laughs> you've literally got it. You just have to say the actual name. Uh, I don't want to say... I want to say Bimberlands or something. What? It's a portmanteau of two words. It's Lim Borderlands. <laughs> Come on, man. You technically got that, but I'm not happy about yeah. it. <laughs> In this brain-teasing DS puzzler, you travel to sites of historical interest, uncover ancient secrets, and shoot tigers, all while keeping your top hat on. Read that first part again. In this brain-teasing DS puzzler, you travel to sites of historical interest, uncover ancient secrets, and shoot tigers, all while keeping your top hat on. See, I want to say Professor Leitombrator. Correct! <laughs> Professor Leitombrator. <laughs> that was a bit of a stretch, but I liked it too much. This side-scrolling indie darling peerlessly balances the gentle horror of young adulthood in the 21st century and the mysteries of a cursed insect kingdom. I know what that first game is. No idea for the second, but I can't remember the name of the first game. Ah! This side-scrolling indie darling peerlessly balances the gentle horror of young adulthood in the 21st century and the mysteries of a cursed insect kingdom. <laughs> Fuck. Is the first game Braid? No. No. It's a, it's a, it's a lot more recent release, isn't They're it? They're both recent. Ah... Uh. So disappointed with myself in every way possible. I'm, gi I'm giving up once more. Giving up? Yeah. 
Is Life is Strange one of the no. games? No. <laughs> no idea then. Hollow Knight in the Woods. Ha, right. Of course it is. <laughs> Fucking hell. I was happy with that. Two more. The latest in this line of hugely influential supernatural action platformers takes the series in a new direction, matching platinum action with existential philosophy. Do that again? Sorry? The latest in this line of hugely influential supernatural action platformers takes the series in a new direction, matching platinum action with existential philosophy. I know one of the games. It's <laughs> fairly obvious. Uh, what's, what, the, what is a supernatural action platformer? Hugely influential supernatural action platformer. And there's loads of them. Oh, if man. I was to say there's a genre Can't. that takes its name from some of these. Oh, man. Something vania. No? <laughs> You're on the right track. Ah, <laughs> uh, um... Platinum action. Castlevania. Near Mart. Automata. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't figure go. out how to say it. Castlevania. <laughs> yeah. Automata. There we or go. Automata. Trying to figure that one out. Well done, boys. I was a team effort. I enjoyed it. Okay. This one's really not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all right. Anyway. Third century China. The land is in turmoil. In this grand strategy game, you take control of a, fac- of a faction trying to claim the land, beautifully drawn by spawn creator Todd McFarlane. Unfortunately, this game took a huge loan from the state of Rhode Island to make, and the developer shut down in ignominy. (laughs) That's just some game history for you guys. You say the game studio closed down after this one? It did. Okay. Third century China, the land is in turmoil. In this grand strategy game, you take control of a faction trying to claim the land, beautifully drawn by spawn creator Todd McFarlane. Unfortunately, this game took a huge loan from the state of Rhode Island to make, and the developer shut down in ignominy. I feel like the second game you made. I know, Total War Three Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, mate. That was really good. Total War Three Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. The the rare double colon (laughs) title. (laughs) That was Jamie Martin's game Portmanteau Overwatch, which it turns out seems harder than I thought it was on the page. A deserved loss on uh, my part. Yeah, I think it was like, what, 2-1 in the end, 3-1? Anyway, well done, We everyone. all won together. We all won <laughs> for being there. Yeah, there we go. Right, we're entering the section that has very recently become a spoiler nightmare. God. So, from now, if you haven't watched Avengers Endgame or the latest episode of Game of Thrones, you should probably F off. Shit the bed. Um, there's one email that doesn't involve both of these things, which I'm going to read now. Nice. So you have until the end of this email. That's your warning. I'm not doing another chat. This is from Phil Summers. Lads, Big Phil here. <laughs> All right, Big Phil. Long time listener of the pod. Top banter. Keep it up. I like Phil. I like the cut of his jib. Today is my birthday. Usually I have tragic birthdays, where they are normally worse than regular days. So I've sat alone seeing what's on Netflix and find you versus the wild, or you versus wild. <laughs> and remember a few weeks ago, you lads dubbing it the shitty homemade version of Bandersnatch by Bear Grylls, which is basically a portmanteau watch. <laughs> Start the first episode. After what feels like 10 introductions, Bear tells me the mission to save some doctor stranded... 
Oh, it tells me the mission is to save some doctor stranded somewhere in the jungle through a 3D map I'm sure a 10-year-old could make in Minecraft. <laughs> Soon after this, I get the first decision, grappling hook or slingshot. Obviously choose the useless slingshot, and if you pay close attention, Bear looks down sadly at it. <laughs> he actually says, Bear looks down sadly at it, like, and makes some statement about being able to kill things with it, which he knows is a lie, and the show continues. <laughs> Next option I take is following the river. He then comes across a croc the size of a skateboard directly in the line of travel. It's not. He could just walk around it. Instead, he whips out the slingshot and starts firing rocks unnecessarily at the croc, which swims away. I stopped watching to let you guys know that it is abysmally enjoyable to watch Bear fully invest his energy and enthusiasm into this. Thanks for making me aware of this to bring some birthday cheer. <laughs> Phil, it was our pleasure. You versus Wild is a masterpiece. Should carry on watching it as well because after they do Doctors, they go to rescue a dog. <laughs> I, I, the dog's the best Yeah, bit, that's so sad and fucked up that Bear Grylls has to put himself through trying to slingshot a croc. I know, but it's ne that's the thing. There's the bit where he <laughs> goes to stab a wolf, but it's so clear they're in two different places. <laughs> Oh, that's it's amazing. well sad. Oh, what a great show you versus Wild is. Right, Avengers time. Go away if you haven't watched it. Uh, one of you start, whichever one you like. This is more right. just uh, chatting about what might happen next. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not. Su I mean, there's a little bit of spoil here. So go away, go. <laughs> All right, fucking hell. Right, this is from Alex Lutkin. Hi, guys. Was listening to your thoughts on Avengers Endgame, and I thought to myself, what happened to Thanos' double-bladed sword? I mean, it has the power to break Captain's America. I mean, the power to break Captain America's shield. It must be made out of something stronger than vibranium. <laughs> I think in a few years' time, it will become known that the blades are made out of adamantium, and they will eventually be melted down to fused in onto Wolverine's skeleton for when the X-Men finally make their appearance in the MCU. All the best. Loving the show. I feel like Alex has thought about this more than people do <laughs> yeah. when they make films. But I do like that idea that... Because what's adamantium's origin in the comics? Is it just like a material? I think so. Like, I don't, like whereas vibranium do obviously, mine it? <laughs> yeah, vibranium obviously has a... It's a Wakandan yeah. metal, whereas adamantium... I, don't, I have a feeling like adamantium probably in the comics dates that far back that it was from a point where Stan Lee wasn't thinking about the wider yeah. context of this universe. That's fair. Almost certainly there is a comic I haven't read that has the origins yeah. of it. But um, I quite like yeah. the idea it's some alien metal that yeah, there's yeah, only it's... this much of that a big purple mm -hmm. man brought to yeah, us. Yeah, and I suppose maybe there's the case that sort of like they'll have in the same way that there's the um, there's one of the Marvel shorts that you know they used to put them on Blu-rays mm -hmm. and I can't remember what the name of it is, is but it's about a group of people I'm fairly sure one of them is played by the girl that plays Ellie in The Last of Us oh really and they find a Chitori gun I think it is and they've sort of stolen it from the Battle of New York mm -hmm. and I sort of like the idea that you know over all of these years there have been bits of Chitori and Thanos's things that are just left around and they could be the start of us developing because isn't that the whole that's the vulture thing isn't it yeah. right yeah yeah he's just um, stolen a load of Battle New York stuff and yeah. made his mm. cool suit yeah <laughs> and so, the like, shocker gun there we go there's like there's all sorts of potential that can it's come precedent. out of shit that's been left <laughs> let's, let's just get the X-Men in the MCU somehow let's That'll do be it nice. I, I liked the idea from last week that the timelines cause the X gene that someone else wrote that in would be cool. that didn't make it in because it was too similar a point but I liked it and I will give you that shout out that uh the process of being brought back has mutated people's genes. Oh, that would be mm -hmm. awesome. Which actually I quite like. Yeah. Because imagine if uh, Spidey's mate, whatever he's called. <gasps> oh, yeah. Is suddenly fucking beast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. What you got, Jesse? 
I have Jacob Lynch literally in the form of a paper. He says, hi gang, long time US listener, listening to this week's podcast and the theories, I've come up with a few of my own. Between Show and Peter in Tony's glasses in the trailer and Mysterio alluding to the multiverse, I think that current Peter will transition into the new Iron Man and the multiverse will bring Miles Morales in to be the new Spider-Man. There was also a picture of Tom Holland and NBA player Donovan Mitchell together, but Donovan is blurred out, but his suit looks black and red, similar to Miles's suit. Anyway, thanks for the show. I really enjoy getting cultured, Jacob. <laughs> I'm glad you like being <laughs> we cultured. We are the pantheon of culture in the IGN podcast, aren't we? As it would be quite amazing if an NBA star became Miles Morales. <laughs> that would be astonishing. Also, I don't think they necessarily need to do the multiverse because I'm fairly sure that Homecoming has established that... Because um, Miles Morales' uncle... Yeah, Aaron, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in it. Yeah, right? so... Yeah. And, and he mentions that his nephew, right? Yes. Is, so I don't think we... But however, anything that suggests the idea of, like multiverses are so key to the Marvel comics and I don't I don't want them to end up doing the whole thing of where you've got several multiverse films running and it's like oh is this film I'm watching set on a 616 or mm. is it set on 1230 or whatever I don't quite want that but I would like a look into it yeah how, how old is Peter in the MCU because isn't isn't, isn't Peter meant to be 16, a little bit 17 yeah isn't Peter meant to be well, a lot a older he, than Miles he, he, he's one of the few characters that ages in the MCU sorry right. in the Marvel Comics universe because so yeah. many of them have Infinity Serum so that they can sort of just stay at the same kind of age I never knew it. that was a thing yeah so so Nick Fury for example he, the reason he just looks like a 50 year old dude and has done forever <laughs> is because he's got Infinity Serum which just prevents him from aging but Peter Parker Whoa. obviously started in the comics around kind of like what 15 16 mm. and is probably in his 30s at the moment yeah. but it's a very slow yeah. whereas opposed to if you go and read 2000 AD Judge Dredd actually has been aging every year in real time which right. is why he's a super old dude now um, but yeah so to answer your question he is like I think in the the Miles Morales kind of um, Peter Parker you're sort of talking about them being in the same universe yeah because I can't imagine because I mean it'll be dope to have like someone who's similar aged to Peter Parker obviously just having Miles there yeah I I think Miles has always up. been depicted as being younger than Spider-Man yeah. and so the, that's why you get the Spider-Verse kind of story mm. where he becomes almost like the the Gandalf yeah. sort of <laughs> so his little Frodo. I wonder if there's some legal bullshit that they could pull to keep Tom Holland like you know the Sony may be taking Spider-Man back yeah. one day if you make Tom Holland Iron Man Ooh. then he gets to stay uh, maybe. but then they probably won't be able to reference the fact that like, I guess he would, if they maybe. just called him Pete <laughs> from then on so like, ah, Pete Iron Man Iron Pete like that would be quite interesting if that's I like. I don't think it's ever going to come yeah. to that yeah. but it would be interesting if that's how they get around it um, just bring back Tobey Maguire as a very old Spider-Man who's no, jaded <laughs> no <laughs> I like him that's a horrible idea <laughs> he was my favourite I'm not into it right Extra spoiler warning. We're talking about Game of Thrones now, so if you've watched Avengers but not Game of Thrones, that's it. We're going to talk about episode five, Zabels, which I think is... I thought about to say the best one. No, somehow... Considered the most controversial. It's, yeah, there is um, a petition going round with like however many thousands of signatures asking people to remake. Was it season eight? We're on. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's with competent writers. If yeah. you have signed that petition, uh, you are not allowed to listen to this podcast <laughs> exactly. anymore. You're a fucking idiot. It's that whole thing of like, I bet these are the people that are, don't censor my games. Yeah, yeah it's one and of yeah, those. Yeah, you're kinds. asking for them to have their original work censored. You're almost certainly one of those people who was too upset about Mass Effect endings. Yes. <laughs> 
look, the universe went green. That's it. Uh, you got so, Andromeda out of it. The bells. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like, did everyone at this table dislike it? I yes. thought it was mildly all right, but okay. has lots of bad decisions right. in it. Yeah, fair enough. It does seem fairly rushed. Yeah, it's a. I mean, as with the, the rest of the series, it is it is too rushed. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of undeniable. Uh, I just think it's the moment at which Game of Thrones has fully stopped giving a shit about the characters it's been making it's, for ten years. It's gone. It's very much become a plot based. Uh, show as opposed to characters yeah, and yeah. that's the that's the wonderful thing about Game of Thrones in general is that even though it is very plot heavy it has always developed that plot by developing characters mm-hmm. rather than just going we want all of these things to happen these things happen because of characters not they happen to characters mm. uh, and I feel the whole idea of this is the episode that largely is about Daenerys going mad. Stupid-ass dragons. <laughs> and it is very much clear that, like, I can see all of the... And I quite like the echo idea of it's, like, the Targaryens are just a doomed kind of family mm-hmm. and, like, her... It is her father that was Aegon Targaryen, right? Mad King, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He burnt, obviously, mm. uh, King's Landing by having all of the, you know, like, literally just burnt the, yeah. the city to the ground. Um, and I like the whole idea of like she's back and it's kind of like the echo of the past and, and there are certain things that I thought it would do that would be echoes of the past yeah. I thought we'd have uh, Jamie have to kill Cersei mm-hmm. in the same way that he had to kill the Mad King and stuff like that yeah. um, that didn't quite work out but so I see where the jigsaw puzzles are but it's like you can't make this happen on literally what is a coin flip which yeah. I think they thought was quite clever by having Varys talk about a coin flip at the start of it to sort of usher that in. They just needed to establish the fact that she is slowly becoming the Mad Queen throughout you know a few couple seasons but it's Mm. She just got pissed off because she was playing tag in the sky of her dragon and now she wants to kill everyone. But this is it. I feel like I've had several people go like, oh, you know, it's been teed up enough. Like, she's she's been turning into a bad person. It's like, yeah, but everything she's done has come with rationale. Yeah. So, so we're stuck in a position now where Daenerys is one of two things. She's either fully mad, in which case, bullshit, because you've not prefaced that at all. Yeah, of course. Or she's done this thinking that there is some way of rationalizing it. A display of horrendous power will scare people into kneeling. Which I don't buy from her at all. So we're stuck in this weird midpoint where it's just like, it's like, you know, fucking god simulator yeah. someone's just had to flick a switch in her she said like a few seasons ago whatever that I don't want to be the queen of the ashes or some shit like she that she said and so many things that directly contradict yeah, the things she's just done exactly. and I know that could be spun as like uh, you know nihilism you know you finally get where you want to and every, you go against everything you want but, but we just don't believe that from her character from what we've no. seen throughout you know the, I think it's, the whole show I think it's bonkers I think it's mad that I think Clegane's death is the best of all of them when yeah. it was basically kind of dull <laughs> like, yeah it was after all this time they had a little fight he's a zombie they fall off a balcony <laughs> like it's <laughs> just oh, I'm just really disappointed and fuck me Jamie is the worst of the yeah. lot like yeah. that's an astonishing why, decision. Why did Euron have to be part of that? 
oh my god fucking Euron just wading out of the water yeah. like, alright sunshine it's like hello I'm a narrative device it's fucking mad it's so weird also talking of narrative devices this is my biggest pet peeve with mm. this is that last episode or the episode before we had the whole stuff with um, two dragons coming down the sky oh, Euron's the, the fleet. scorpions is that yeah, what called? fires yeah. all their scorpion um, ballistas at it defeats one dragon the other one just can't do anything so she fires yeah. it's off but in this episode it's and, like, and decimates a fleet at yeah, the same time because yeah. all of those ships are broken this time she just comes in and burns the entire fleet so what you did last episode was you distinctly say this is a problem that cannot be solved of dragons yeah. yeah so therefore it would have been really interesting for this episode that Daenerys susses out what they have to do and yeah. it might have been an, a, a different naval battle using different naval tactics yeah. or something like that but no it's just like oh we'll give it another go with the dragon does and she it not feel- fly directly towards the field yeah. there's a shot when you just see it's, her like it's how just, do they miss that well it's that's just- it the, there's this weird moment <laughs> Where Euron's looking at the sun and it's like, oh, the idea is he's she's using the sun as a tactic, as a yeah. blinding method. A second into him looking that, it's a fucking dragon. <laughs> exactly. Like, when have you ever seen a bird that covers <laughs> the full length of the sun? It's bonkers. It and the thing is, it's like I'm I'm entirely okay with so for example, there was a lot of people that disliked the tactics that were used for the Battle of Winterfell. Mm. I actually thought the Battle of Winterfell was fine and I don't really yeah. question it because I'm not looking for a realistic military simulator in yeah, Game of Thrones. Sure. I just want to go. But narratively, you told me last episode that dragons don't work and now you're saying, well, they do if you just roll a D6 and yeah. you get like <laughs> exactly, a higher score. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like this- it reminds me so much of playing Warhammer basically and it's just like if you got a crap roll of the dice, suddenly yeah. your Lehman Rust tank just explodes. Yeah. Also, there was no scorpions like actually in the city where like the what's it called the main castle no no, no. they got them on the, the walls hadn't yeah, they yeah but she could have just like flown directly down like she did to the fleet blew up Cersei or whatever and then mm-hmm. call it a day but, I mean that's so many problems you know the moment at which he goes uh, all the ballistic all the scorpions have been destroyed yeah. like that's the moment where you go right Daenerys is now fly- flying to the place um, like it's odd to me that she never even talks to Cersei like no. and yeah. I know you know in a you don't have to do that. Like a lot of Game of Thrones characters don't meet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're so concerned with creating big spectacle moments, surely the moment is the two queens. Yeah. And the yeah. idea of like having her land the dragon on the edge of the Red Keep and she sat on it shouting at Cersei through that balcony window. Yeah. That would have been a face off yeah. moment. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, Jamie's arc is useless. Uh, the having sex with Brienne is essentially just fan fiction. Yeah. Like, there was no so. point to it. Mm-hmm. He um, learned he learned nothing from actually gaining that proper first relationship aside yeah. from banging mm-hmm. his sister. Like Cersei's baby, which was teed up as this idea of like it's her modus operandi forever now. Yeah. yeah. Kind of meant nothing. Like I see maybe a couple of decisions where it was a slight bit, but yeah. you could have got around all of that. So that was like a red herring out of nowhere. Like all of this stuff. It just feels like it's gone, and it's mad to me that now one of the outlying plot arcs is is Bron gonna do something <laughs> next episode? Yeah. Like, what a weird place to leave this for a finale! Like, uh, I'm not Bron's even... gonna say he wants a castle. <laughs> wow! I just, I can't imagine there's just much to look forward. I mean, for me, I just there's not much to look forward to now, just because it, it all feels like it just deflated in that episode. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, so so many TV shows are about the journey rather than the finale because so few TV shows can land a finale. Mm, yeah. Um, but, 
you know, two seasons ago, if you told me that Game of Thrones was going to struggle to bed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't have believed you because I've developed so much faith. Yeah. Uh, aside from like, there's really only been, I wasn't a huge fan of season five. Mm-hmm. I thought season five really struggled. But aside from that, it's been a real strong, you know, yeah. era of television. I, I think uh, there were down moments. I think there's what in retrospect now look like warning signs in mm-hmm. season seven. Yeah. And the rush element is mad. And I still find it insane that this is a Benioff and Weiss decision. Yeah. Like everyone has said, the writers want more, the audience wants more. Why are we doing this now? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, because it's good. Yeah. How do, you, <laughs> how do you save the show from the episode we just watched? I can't imagine how this final episode is actually going to play out from no. the oh, disaster. We've got 80 minutes left. So yeah. It's, there's it's a mad. baffling quote from them where they like, because uh, it's 73 hours long in total or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, the quote is, uh, yeah, we really think of it as like a 73-hour thing. Like, a, what's a 73-hour <laughs> thing? Like, when has anyone ever used that phrase? It's like, oh, yeah, famously, Das Boot, 73-hour <laughs> thing. It's one of them. It's so strange, yeah. the whole issue. Um, what's your predictions for the last week, then? I don't even care. Yeah, <laughs> No, I'm kind of with you, yeah, but... It, it, I mean... <laughs> I feel like some it's going to be someone not really sitting on the Iron Throne, but just like a, a pile of rubble, and, first, then, and then it ends there. First shot of the next episode, hands down, a is, horse. <laughs> is the Iron Throne either melted or like crushed. Like, it's gone. I'd so, sort of like to see just I want Daenerys to see Jamie's sat hand. on like a pile of sort of corpses and smashed up sort of things with the Iron Throne just placed on top of it with her almost Captain Kirk-like yeah. sat in it going, well... Sort of got it now, didn't Not I? Not playing the Game of Thrones, playing the Game of Bones. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's... Mm, Arya kills Daenerys. I feel like Arya's going to try Arya's gonna try and kill Daenerys and then Jon Snow kills Arya. Interesting. Bold uh-huh. prediction there. I'd see, I think that's too interesting for this show now. <laughs> I, I <laughs> like, think if- Jon, I think, might kill Daenerys like mm-hmm. I know there's been a lot of lovey-dovey sort of stuff between them but I've never bought it like it, it's just it just feels there for plot they're well, gonna they're gonna both hug in the keep and then a brick's gonna kill them like who cares <laughs> yeah, they're, gonna, they're gonna have exactly the same scene as Cersei <laughs> oh what a weird show what a shame yeah and what a shame that you've listened to the end of this as well um you two have got to leave so I'll let you go but before we go we need to address the small issue of what UK garage we're going to play. I'd like to thank uh, the many people who have sent me the Guardian article, the best UK garage tracks ranked by Alexis Petridis. Uh, that is wicked because, you know, we're not actually that good at this. Uh, so I'm just going to scroll down to number one. Look at that. The best UK garage track ever, according to The Guardian, is Battle by Wookie featuring Lane. So here it is. Have a bang on this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.